What's the crack? Welcome back to the Irish Boys Podcast. We've been away for a wee bit because the international break absolutely sucks. I'm not going to lie, I don't really have any other excuse than that. So I'm here with Kieran and Mum. How are you? Fine. Hello, everyone. Ready for the football? Looking back this weekend. Oh God, can't come soon enough. Do you oh. enjoy the international break? No, I think it's just all all the injuries come out, and there's not very. I know we're not best good to watch sometimes, but international football, I don't like watching at all. I think that's it. I think it's because Ireland are so poor now that I have no enthusiasm for it. But I remember when I was younger and, and when Ireland actually had a chance to qualify things. I remember the rocky road to Poland was probably the last one where we had a real go at something. I got really buzzing coming into the international break to watch Ireland play. We've always been poor in terms of footballing, but yeah, I have no buzz for that. Shocking now. Listen, I you nail the puck, but I have no buzz for that. You know, they're shocking. Brutal to watch. Very. Did you watch any international football, or was there anybody? I literally watched snips here, snips there. Seen Northern Ireland done well, beating Denmark there two 0 Yeah. Um. Well, I kind of called it. I thought maybe Edinburgh says. Ashley were rubbish, you know, Northern Ireland rubbish too, just as bad, they're going to get slapped by Denmark guys as well. They have no Hyland, they have no Ericsson. And they're qualified though, aren't they? Yeah, aren't they? Denmark, Denmark, yeah. They're pretty much qualified as far as that, but... Yeah, yeah. and Northern Ireland, nothing to lose. No, but sure. Do you know Northern Ireland are always capable of... It's good for them. Yeah. Like, yeah, always capable <coughs> of pulling a result out of the bag. They always have been, you know, whereas they're probably going to But... Yeah, throughout the course of this podcast, we're going to talk about a few things that have come up recently. Obviously, takeover drama and God, the no. story that won't come to conclusion. Jim Ratcliffe coming in. We're going to talk about Luke Shaw's return, Den Hag's run coming up, and then I have strangely scribbled down up a reset, which I think is in reference to the football club possibly resetting again. Yeah, I don't know why I've called it up a reset. The, the reset. I think you mean like. In terms of Jim Ratcliffe, the upper echelons, the upper hierarchy, and the departure, and the replacement, and possibly more coming in above. I do. Hag and the names that are thrown about. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what that would look like. Yeah, but I just don't know why I've put the positive spin on it. Upper reset because I'm not. I can't sit and lie and, and say that I believe in this to be in a reset. I don't. I think it's paving over the cracks. But anyway. We will talk about Luke Shaw's return. Luke Shaw, he looked really good in the, the small stills that I've seen coming out in the media. I think he looks very fit. Um, I think he's definitely been putting work in off the pitch. So, Mum, do you think Luke Shaw makes a massive difference to the United? Huge. I think Luke Shaw, once Luke Shaw and Martinez come back, you'll see a totally different side. I think they're essential for the way he wants to play. Now, that's just my opinion, but I think Luke Shaw is one of the big cogs in that machine. What do you think Luke Shaw gives that Rahulian and Dallow and Molassi account? I think Luke Shaw is levels above those players. In terms I, of going forward? In terms of everything. He's oh, a good that's... defender. He's good at going forward. I think that's where Marcus Rashford is lost at the minute. That's, there's no link-up play with Rahulian. There's no link-up play with Molassi. There's no link-up play with anybody who takes who is standing in for Luke Shaw, I think Luke Shaw is essential. Right, I'm going to stick my neck out here. I think Luke Shaw is as essential to Man United as Van Dijk is to Liverpool. Whoa, seriously? I do seriously think he is. Do you mean when he's playing left-back? When he's playing either. 
It'll be just interesting to see when he comes back, yeah. if it's left back or centre back. Mm. And either or, he makes a difference. What do you think he plays? If he plays at Everton? I think if he plays, I think Ten Hag might throw him in a centre back. Along with Varane? Along with. Mm. Now, is that. He did with. Do you know you think Harry Maguire? Harry Maguire. I think Maguire oh. Shaw. You see, that was what I was going to ask. Do you think, think that he brings Raphael Varane back in? And if you do think you bring him, is that logic overruling Ten Hag's pragmatism? Because exactly. I think you're right. I think Harry Maguire plays. Based on form and, you know, whatever's going on between them two, they're trying to be professional about it at the minute, but the studio rumours aren't going away. And no. I don't know how you look, Shaw, come back into the team, automatically gives a starting berth to Raphael Varane. No. No, I can't see it. Although, the two of them played very well together last Yeah, time. I'll call it against the two of you. Shaw done very well at Sandoval. Yeah, and in a recent interview, Varane. he said he mentioned Raphael Varane. Uh-huh. He said that Varane, alongside him, gives him confidence. Yeah. So well, I have to say, as somebody that has been very doom and gloom about our Dutch manager, <laughs> I would be really, really surprised if it happens. But I would also be overjoyed to see that this man doesn't rate Harry Maguire over Raphael Varane, but simply thought that the partnership of Evans and Maguire was better than a partnership of possibly Varane and Evans, and that he went for what he discusses. There is some courage in his conviction where he talks about these chemistries and you know this player cohesiveness that needs to be built up. Pairings. Pairings, you yeah. know, those Jews. And he looked at Maguire and Evans and thought, you know what, you boys have played here for years, some playing years. And Varane and Shaw were better last season, so Harry, thanks for everything, but it's a big call team. You're not good enough. Even though you've been in form, you have to drop to the bench and Varane's going to play with Shaw because they can play higher up the pitch. But I don't have faith that he will do that. I think he pragmatically sticks with the in-form players and I don't think Luke Shaw plays against Everton. I think he'd be on the bench. I think he leaves him back in. I think it might be too soon for him. Yeah. yeah I, it I could honestly, be too soon. Did Lindelof play in the international group? Yes. Yeah. I think it and very well. Lindelof. I suppose we'll... We'll segue into that later when we're talking about looking forward to the weekend and stuff like that. But just once again on Luke Shaw, does Luke Shaw make a difference? Is Luke Shaw vital to that team? Has he become one of those players that when he's gone, the difference is that monumental that we're saying that he's going to change the form of Manchester United comeback? I have already stated, yes. Yeah, you think so? One yeah. player coming in at left back or left centre back is going to get United winning games? Yeah. And it, one for you, right? Because we've argued on this about my doom and pessimism, <laughs> right? If Luke Shaw comes back, fully fit, and we're going to go into the run that Ten Hag has now, and in the next three or four games we see no change in the tactics and the formation, is that going to hammer my point home that it might just be the manager? And then are we starting to run out of excuses now? Is what I'm getting at. He has Martinez out injured, huge blow, hammer blow. Mm-hmm. But with Shaw back. Shaw back give one piece of the jigsaw back yeah and I certainly think improve I'm not saying we're going to we're going to beat the world here we're going to, we're going to run no but it will improve us will improve I think on that left hand side you know with Dallow is always a weakness as well and there's no balance with that left no hand balance. side at all no and especially with like Rashford looks like a lost sheep sometimes he on does that left, he left hand side yeah. and I'm sorry but like right, right on fair enough he's standing in and he's doing it a bit of a job but I think the relationship that Shaw, well Shaw does complements Rashford yeah. to a T. I think 
that overlapping that he does with Rashford. Either go go for the, the goal or let, give it to Shaw. And Shaw can't put a ball in and he can score. He's scored the odd I the think he will be vital for Hoyland, Luke Shaw. Whipping him up, yeah. Good point. I think he will be vital for that lad. Where's Malassia? Who cares? He's a, bad in, he's a bad injury. I think it was worse than I thought, yeah. I tell you, I do care because I think if Luke Shaw was really right, in an ideal world if I was playing football manager, I would send Rahulian back in a taxi to London and I would have Malassia playing out on the left because I think he's tenacious and he's very good at defending that wee fella mm-hmm. and he's so young. He's a big carrier. He he's is a carrier. Yeah. I'd have Malassia out on that left hand side. Sure I would that. never bring in another Spanish fullback or Portuguese fullback for as long as the Premier League exists because they don't survive. So would you play Shaw until Martinez comes back? I'd have Shaw in Morafiel Moran that have Malassia as my left back. But with Rahul in there... I don't know if I, if it's so hard, like, I don't know if I would bring, I wouldn't bring Victor Lindelof in because I can't stand him. So I'll probably stick with the partnership of Shaw, see, in an ideal world, Maguire and Varane could play together, and you would have Maguire, Varane and Shaw be coming back in his out-and-out position left-back, but we can't do that. So I think Varane plays with Shaw, and he'll play Dallow in left-back, and he'll have Armand Bissak in right-back. Because Rahulian's not good enough. Rahulian needs to be he's not a good sent defender. back to Spurs. He cannot defend. He's good going forward. No, he's not a good defender. He's not. And he's he, not even great going forward, to be honest. No, he's he's full of effort and running. He's like, effort, yes. He's exactly what I say of our young wingers. There's no end product to it. Mm-hmm. He gets up there and he's sketchy crossing, passing the teams, decision-making. very inconsistent. He's just a try-hard. Yeah. And I think that we settled for that out of some man's When he came in, I was looking and going, oh, there's a bit of buzz about you. There's fuck all about him, if we're being honest. There's energy. There's But there's energy and enthusiasm and he smiles and he hugs and he celebrates with his teammates and we're going, at least he's trying. Like a Spanish white horse. That's exactly it. Yeah. He's doing very well in the German for, league. Yeah. Who's he playing for? Hoffenheim, isn't it? I think so. He scored there for... How many goals has he scored? He scored with five or six. Has he? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's a test? And, sc- and he has scored for, for yeah. the national side as well. There. He scored there for... But he was doing a job in the World Cup. Do you think that's a testament to the strength of the current Bundesliga? Mm. I mean, Xabi Alonso's doing very well at Bayer Leverkusen, but I think the difference between your bottom 10 in the Bundesliga and your bottom 10 in the Premier League is night and day away. And that's what I say to anyone I'm talking about international football with. Yeah. You can put three or four teams <clears throat> in any European league up against three or four teams in the Premier League and yes, there will be a mix of variation of results. You go 20 versus 20, the Premier League will win all day long. It's so strong. And we've seen that. We played Fulham. Fulham were a nightmare to break down. Yeah. We played Luton. And Luton in patches were a nightmare to break down. Tell me really good coaches, really good players. Do you think good old White is just enjoying? I don't know. I don't watch the German League. I just look at the results, you know, that, and I don't watch any of the matches. I'm trying really, really hard right now, you know. To turn around and say, well, look what he can do when he's under a different manager. But I'm going to play for this oh, team. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> no. Cool. We'll wait, wait till Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Manchester United, we, we've, we have four pieces in the back. Jake's all back. Aaron Wambasaka is the right back, you would think. Yeah. Raphael Varane and Harry Maguire are definitely the three options of right centre-back. No injuries there. We're missing Leitche for left centre-back, but we've got Shaw back in. So yeah, we're missing one piece now. 
a massive piece when you think about yeah. it. I would say Malassi is another smaller piece because Malassi did play mum last season at left back and in my opinion didn't play poorly. I wasn't that impressed with him but you're right, he's a young player. Loads of room for improvement and a new player, young player to a new country, new league, settling in time. Yeah. yeah. So I thought he gave us more than Rahulian has given us. Oh my God, Like that would be hard. <laughs> but I think the point I'm trying to make is Rahulian has been in and around English football now for a season or two and probably last year needs an adapting period. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had his first season and then he just got by on an awful injury. What is wrong with him? It's something to do with his knee, isn't it? Oh, it's bad. It's the thought initially. I think the thought it was a muscular thing, and I thought okay, he'll, yeah. he'll be back before Christmas. He'll be fine. And then when he was assessed again, there was like a bit pushed back another after Christmas. I think he tore something. He yeah, I think something I, I, I read where the thought that he had muscle and ligament damage, and they were going to try and rest yeah. him, but he's actually torn something. There's been a few big players now over the I've noticed over the break. If anybody's noticed, like breaking doing, down, doing their ACLs and yeah. season-ending injuries. Like finishes round red. It's the workload that they have now. It's all all it's these, insane. Yeah, it is insane. It is. They're flying all over the world for pre seasons. They're flying all over the world for World Cups and tournaments. Our pre season last was year was ridiculous. It really was. And you look they had the Winter World Cup. Yeah. And then they rushed them all back. It's like great back to you club football, but you get a break in the summer, don't worry about it. And that break is two weeks with the local on holidays and then it's back and it's like great lads, welcome to Manchester Airport, you're flying to the States. And we're going to fly around different cities and it's no wonder they're breaking down. No, that's something Fran actually kicked up about at the start of the season with a, a few, good few players and they said, oh, they had a time at the end of the games was going to be 8, 9, 10, 11 minutes. 15 minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes, like. Yeah. And like yeah. I don't, the, the amount of work games that they have in a season and then add, add all this t- extra time on and it's just going to cause more breakdowns and injuries. And, like we've seen this season in the Premier League like the injury list, not just ourselves, but now now Spurs now it's a Newcastle. Tra- Newcastle, it's a travesty now that's happened to Ange. And oh, of course. Oh, yeah. you know the the media narrative. Oh, oh yeah. God, how do you mitigate that though? Do you know what I mean? But she it on. Oh, get on with it. Is it a decrease in games? Is it having larger squads, a bit like the NFL, where they can rotate players more often? Because I I don't think the decrease in games is ever going to come, but surely at some point the footballing clubs and the footballing managers and the football players are going to sit down and go, right, this is enough. Something has to be done. You know, my career is going to end up being six years because you have me playing for 11 and a half months a year and giving me two weeks off to spend with, you know, yeah. something has to give you. Yeah. So, I But know. you look at some players can handle it. You look at, <clears throat> at the like of Bruno Fernandes. Never misses a game. Machine. He, exactly. Yeah, and never gets a big injury. Yeah. And then some players just break down. But Rafael Varane been one of them. Martial. I mean Martial. <laughs> Glass Poor Tony. Some that were just uniquely positioned in the muscle injuries. But are we saying that the game is gonna evolve to the point where it's only worthy of the Bruno Fernandez? So we're gonna do absolutely nothing to help you because Bruno Fernandez is a standard example of who can follow. No, that's that mean? wasn't my point. My point was that you have people like Bruno Fernandez, right? And everybody's body's different. Yeah. You know, you can. some people can handle injury. Some people are prone to colds. Other people seem to go through winter after winter and don't get a cold. You know, that's people of different body types. But it's not what, what the, your diet or your 
exercise regime. It's just yourself. They'll never do it, but I would scrap international football as a whole. Yeah, I agree. But it's not just the international football. It's all these stupid tournaments now. All these leagues. Scrap it all. Yeah. Play the World Cup once every four years. World Cup. Yeah. And the Euros. When you give two months off to train for the World Cup, you can play a couple of friendlies in, but no more European tournament and no more Copa America and no bullshit UEFA Nations League. And then when you come together, you come together. And you know what? It would end up being entertaining because you think of the lack of time they have to prepare. Yeah. You take the best players who belong to their countries, throw them together for two months, get a manager willing to do that and walk them in. Or do you know what I would do? Scrap international managers as a whole and give the job two months before the tournament to whoever the best manager is from your nation. If Zidane's winning Champions League after Champions League Real Madrid, sees you, you're about to have two months off. You're taking the French team. Run them into the World Cup, play the World Cup, and that's it, done for four years. You're not going to play any more international games Ooh, for not two years. Friendly, see that for, the friendlies in the Nations League and all that are crack. Scrap it all. Scrap it. It's, it's a farce. It is. Definitely a farce. It's like that, what do you call it? Not the Europa League, what's the other one? Conference League. <sighs> but I agree, oh no, I agree with the Conference League. And I tell you why. Oh, shitty. Oh, but you look at West Ham last why, season. Why is it? Yeah, okay. But you look at that team. Now, I have a friend, Bradley, who's a West Ham fan. Massive West Ham fan. That meant the world to them. Mm. That meant everything. To them, that was a European tournament. They conquered Europe. And we, as sort of privileged fans, Manchester United, grown up with Champions Leagues and watched our teams play in every tournament there is, every major tournament, we would look at it and go, it's a farce. But for a West Ham fan, that was massive. And if I was a fan of a smaller team, Brighton, for example, and you've the chance to play in the Conference League, that's everything. You've never been in Europe before. All of a sudden, you're going for a UEFA tournament. The Europa League. Yeah. It's third tier. But it's... To a, t- to a club like that, I think it would be quite snotty as a United fan to turn around and go scrap that. No, let them have that. Because at the end of the day, you're still going to play the Champions League. And you're still going to play the UEFA Cup. So all we're saying is, right, the lesser teams, the teams that qualify for the Conference League, you're going to play the same amount of games as the lads playing the UEFA Cup in the Champions League. So they're not really playing any more football. It won't make that big an impact. Yes. Unless you start getting to a point where... In f- I'm hoping United don't find themselves in this position. You're, the Conference League is inflicted upon you. You don't want to be in the Conference League, but your team falls in eighth. And they turn around and say, you're right, United Youth play the Conference League this year. And all of a sudden, there's six games in the calendar and you're looking at it going, fuck. <laughs> right. This is reserves. Let yeah. the kids play. Yep, definitely um, reserves. If you play the reserves, they'll hammer you. Yeah, of course they will. The, yeah. So you can't, it's the Carabao Cup scenario. Or if you play too many players from the second team, they can actually penalise you for it. I'll take the fight. Taking the tournament serious. We can afford it. But yeah, look, we'll go on now to Ericsson Hag's next run of games. And we will forget analysing the weekend. Because we'll do that later on, right? Manchester United's next run of games, when I look at it, pretty horrific. Half four on Sunday, we play Everton. Away. Away. Yeah, that's key. Now, Everton are going through... A renaissance of sorts. A renaissance in terms of form. Yeah. But as much chaos as United have off the pitch. 7-7-7 seven, seven, seven group is meant to be buying them, but that's up in the air. Mashiri's messing about. He doesn't know what he wants to do now. Um, Daesh is trying to galvanise the troops, and it's Everton against the world and stuff like that, but they're not going to be immune to what's going on in Everton. There's talks of 7-7-7 seven, seven, 
seven point out, Mishiri not being able to pay it. That's chaos. That's players. Let's just got chaos in the room. Their points deduction. Points deduction. They could have more points deduction. So there's never been a better team to play than this season. Renaissance or not, which I agree with. I think they have played very dice esque football. Yeah, but getting results. Yeah. But do you not think Gray like, coming into this game it's not maybe a bad time to play Everton? See, there, there's the psychology of it. If I their mindset was an Everton player, I would look at this and go, Do you know what? United haven't been great either. Let's stop a marker down here and turn around and say, Look, we got the points deduction, but it's not gonna derail us. We're still staying up. FUs. This is Everton Football Club type thing, you know, yeah. Green Street, and just be like, right, let's go out and hammer United physically. And if they want to keep the ball, let's just rough them up and get Goodison Park rocking. Because they also have that move to their new stadium, don't they? Yeah. So let's give the fans, you know, that sort of logic and mentality. But it depends on the personalities in that changing room. And I don't think um, Captain Handbag is going to rally the troops to get up for it, young Calvert Loom. I think he's good head up his. Captain Handbag. Captain Handbag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've a couple of key injuries as well, that Belgian lad's out. Who? It's not. Onana? Yeah. Was he out, was he? Mm, he was injured. Good player, him. Huh? Yeah. He is. Solid player. He was a rumour in the summer, I think, for ourselves. Yeah, along with 50 others. That's the other entry. But then we have a few few doubtfuls. Chris and Erickson's out. Mm-hmm. So is, there was doubts over Onana, but I think Onana's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, they think they said he would be the... He feels good, he said, but... But that the Turkish goalie that we have, he yeah. played very well in international duty. Yeah, very true. Johnny Evans and Hoyland are dead hook knocks as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, well, they say Hoyland might be okay. Hoyland would be a blow, because that Everton defence is just a big physical unit of defence. It's everything Anthony Marshall will absolutely wilt away from, in my opinion. He will hear it. Oh. If Marshall lines out for United, you know what, it's going to be very tough to spend my Sunday watching that. <laughs> but what we will anyway. Yeah, right, so you, you have your Everton game, which we think is going to be tough. Then scroll forward three nights later, you're going to play Galatasaray away in Turkey. So after they play Everton on Sunday, you're going to imagine that they're going to fly out probably Sunday night. They probably won't train on Monday. They could possibly rest up Sunday night and fly out on Monday. So Monday they're doing a training session, then they'll train once, fully, on Tuesday. When do we play Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Yeah. And they'll fly out Tuesday. So they'll have a full day train on Monday and then fly yeah. out the Tuesday. Then a bit of a light session on Wednesday. Mm. Still not a whole lot of time to get your act together. Well, it's... International break. It's you know, this quick turnaround now with back to the yeah. Premier League and Champions League. Massive game. Huge game. You know, never done, never done it before. Oh my god. And one of those nights where I think, like, well, obviously we're going to watch the Everton game, we'll have our opinions on the Everton game, but I don't know if you can talk form and you can talk playing styles when it comes to a match like that. When you're away in Turkey at Galatasaray, that upsets everything. That's just. No, get, form goes out the window. Get the three points and get home. Yeah. yeah. If you can. Shane and I used to watch Galatasaray and Fenerbahce to take an interest, and the atmospheres that they can create is insane. Crazy. And our team seems to wilt under that pressure. Yeah. It does. Yeah. That's worrying. <laughs> yeah, we're a bit spineless in that. Yeah. Aspect. Yeah. I think we've seen it in Copenhagen in the last game. It all crumbled. But this is what I'm talking about now when I talk about the run and how horrific the run is, right? So we're talking two hard games there. But if you think about it in theory, we should not be worried about Everton and we shouldn't be worried about Galatasaray. But then, back to back, that Saturday after playing Galatasaray, 
were away at 8 o'clock Saturday night in Newcastle. Now, Newcastle have injuries. They're decimated with injuries at the minute. So it could be a good time, good time to play in Newcastle. In Newcastle. If we're getting a few players back. Yeah. Maybe a fully fit Luke Shaw too. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, didn't they suffer a few injuries into their back lines and Botman out. Yes. Botman's out in December. Dan Byrne is out till after Christmas. So that's two of their back line missing. Plus I'm pretty sure that Wilson and Isaac are doubt. I know Isaac is a doubt. Yeah, Both are. Cal Wilson is Cal Wilson is Both injuries well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know that now. He's a hamstring injury. They're not sure if he's pulled it or he's just There's a lot of them not back until January. Mm, after Christmas. Yeah. Harvey Barnes can't play till Christmas. He's an ankle injury. Matty Target is another one. Can't play till Christmas. So Newcastle actually it's a nice time to play Newcastle. Yeah, it Newcastle, is. Yeah. It's not nice to say it, but it, it's a good time to play them. If he can't beat Newcastle with Newcastle decimated with injuries, he's going to get people like me that are going to turn around and go, well, that was your excuse. When you had all the injuries, you know, we were giving that to you. Then now again, you it's, it's our mentality as well. The away form is horrendous. And we wilt under that atmosphere. Also against the big six were and Newcastle have broke into that were crap. Yeah. Were poor. Then he goes and plays Potch on Wednesday night at quarter past eight. So he plays eight o'clock against Newcastle after Galatasaray and then on Wednesday he plays Chelsea. Well Tottenham have a load of injuries as well. <laughs> Just Chelsea. Chelsea. Away? Yeah. No, they're at home to Chelsea. Alright, okay. Toss a coin with Chelsea it's, at the minute though. I don't know. If you don't know what Chelsea after that game against City. Chelsea are a bit like us. If you sit back, they haven't got a clue what to do. If you try to play football against Chelsea, they can show you that they can actually play football too. Yeah. But it's just that cohesion and confidence thing with Chelsea. That's what they're I mean, like toss ourselves. Coin. Yeah, you know I think we're the same as Chelsea, toss a coin. Mm. What United's turning up, what Chelsea's turning yeah. up. But still it's a really brutal run. He's got born with them at home after he played Chelsea, that's on the Saturday. And then he plays Bayern Munich on Tuesday, which could be huge. If he loses to Galatasaray, he should go out and intentionally get tanked by Bayern Munich and Melvin. Get slapped. Please drop out of the Europa League. Yeah. Please don't go into that. There's no point. Mm. Take the head on the money and just dump out. And then we play Liverpool. Oh, happy days. Happier days. <laughs> it's rough, isn't it? That's not going to go well. Yeah, it is. And the reason I'm discussing this is, right, we've just gone through those running games. <coughs> Bournemouth, you would say, is the only one you would look at. And as a United fan, you would Can't hope it's the hardest yeah. treatment. Yeah. yeah. Neil Dunn. The rest, I can't honestly say with any conviction are guaranteed wins. Would you argue? You wouldn't confidently say it, would you? I wouldn't say 100% you're wrong. Is this the run that could sack Eric Hag? Potentially. Because if you, you have what? You would think about the league games. Everton. Newcastle, Chelsea, and the Liverpool game. Bonus. Four games. And to stay in the top four, I would say he needs another six. So I would say he needs three wins without getting it thrown. Then we'll give him two losses. But he needs three wins in there. Well, you think now, I can't 100% obviously say, like we said there, we're going to get guaranteed three points. But I would say he would look at the Chelsea game and the Newcastle game. With the way Newcastle are the minute and the injuries that they have. It is a good time to play them. Yeah. Although obviously we know Eddie Howe and how well drilled and well organised. Yeah, they'll be resolute. You know. Yeah. You know. Uh, do you know I, I? All on the same hip, see on the same hymn sheet, if you will. But doom and gloom as I can sound, I honestly hope that I am proven wrong. That I hope that these players come back into this team have a free flow in Manchester United playing the style of football that people seem very confident that Eric and Howe can get from. I really, really do. 
And I think Manchester United can come through that period and get the points that they need to keep this man in the job. I also do. It's just, this is make or break for me. In my mind, it's like either I'm going to allow him this acid test to see what he does under pressure and to see what way the team plays when they're under pressure. And if it's the same boring bullshit style of football and they end up getting beat by Chelsea because they're afraid to have a go at them and beat by Newcastle with their injuries because they're afraid to have a go at them, at that point... I will eject mentally but and say, no one will talk me back round from this man leaving my But I'd say we went say we go into these games and like me and you were we were chatting during the Copenhagen game. Right. What do you say if we played the, the same way in that game and we were spoke spoke during that game and how well we played and the fight and that awful decision, you know, we played some of the best football in your words all season. If we go into these games against Newcastle, Chelsea Liverpool say we do don't win one of them but we play like that would you still be of the same mindset? No because I think if, if I'm going to be positive and optimistic about it there's three or four times we've seen Manchester United starting games this season the first 15-20 minutes and thought oh god this is brilliant this is really really good and then something goes wrong in the game or the other team breaks through our defence and the heads drop and the performance changes and I think if you take where Manchester United are now it's a very human thing for the head to drop when you're in such a bad position and something goes against you. So the short answer to that is I would be optimistic if I see Manchester United play the style of play that I've seen in the Copenhagen game for the first 20 minutes. I think the red card completely changed the game. But then we got through the Copenhagen thing and we got the Luton and I came away from the Luton game thinking, what the fuck? you're playing Luton and I think it's because it goes back to the point that I said about Pochettino the same thing is happening in Chelsea at the minute that is happening in Manchester United Copenhagen came to play they were very honest in the press conference I didn't expect them to be so proactive but they came to play football and United when you come to play football can revert to what they did last year they can cut and save you apart counter-attacking but if you play in a low block like Luton do it's a head scratcher now I think they created chances against Luton that a more confident team would have put away and it could have been a more flattering scoreline. But for large parts of a moment, we sat and watched it and I thought, this is but I boring. Think you, <laughs> you have hit the nail on the head. Yeah, we the are head. not clinical enough in front of goal. No. We are absolutely dire in front of goal. And I'm not just talking about the Rashfords and Hoyland. I'm talking about our wide forwards, our, our inverted inside whatever winger, winger come, <laughs> hybrids, whatever <laughs> they are, right? We have created chance after chance in games and we just can't score goals. I I can see that. I think you're right. But if I'm thinking back to the Luton game, and I'm going back a couple of weeks, there was about one chance each. We pointed to a Rashford chance, a Garnacho chance and a Hoyvland chance. I think Hoyvland used his knee instead of his body to put the ball in the net. That was the one. Rashford turned to take the shot at goal and put the ball straight to the goalkeeper and Garnacho did the same thing. Am I right there? Yeah, Rashford and Garnacho did... Both the same thing and took a touch to him. Yeah. Took the extra touch. So if I go one step further and I talk again about style of play and I say to you, right, this is my argument to you, giving those lads one clear cut shot a chance a game when they're so underconfident is bullshit. You're playing Luton. There should have been three or four chances for those lads to put the ball away and if there was three or four chances I would trust any of them to score one in four. And if they score one in four, it's a different conversation. But what we're doing now is we're taking the three chances that they had in the game that they couldn't put it away and we're hyper-analyzing it because we have to. Because it was fuck all else to talk about in 90 minutes. There were three clear-cut chances I seen. Garnacho, Rashford, 
Hoagland. And the ball went into the net from who? Victor Lindelof. Mm. Once yeah. again, the defence bailed us out. Cause, yeah. But I would say, and this it's not very often this season I have stuck up for them, I would say as an entire team, they're not creating enough for each other to get themselves confident. It's very easy when your head is down as a striker because they're four creatures of pure form. And when your head is down and you have one chance and you fluff that chance, you're almost two steps back again because you're thinking, fuck, I should have scored. And I know I should have scored. And I can hear the crowd. Oh. Frustration in the crowd. But it's my teammates. Pound, pound. It's, you know what I mean? I think it's one of them things. Like you know yourself playing football. If you get a, get a goal, take your early chance. That's it. Changes the game. Changes the whole mood. The crowd's with you. Yeah. You're slick passing. Brilliant football. You get another Heads two. are up. Heads are up. Their heads are down. Yeah. Get, get another two or three goals. Brilliant performance. Mm. But we're not putting away the chances that should be put on a plate. Also, all, all I'm trying to say is I think they should be creating more. I think if it was me in that team and I seen Rashford miss that one, Garnacho missed that one, Hoyland missed that one, I'd be like, right. As Bruno Fernandes, as um, the wide players for the forward and as the fullbacks, I'd be like, right. Do you know what? That was a chance. He should have scored that. Let's get him another one. And if he misses the second one, let's get him another one. Let's carve this team up. And this is Luton. Let's brutalise Luton here. Let's create chance after chance so our forwards can play themselves into form. But once again for Manchester, they've seen one chance each. And I think Garnacho, at such a young age, needs to be given more chances. And he creates a lot on his own. How many chances do they need? More than one a game, I think, at the minute. Just from a confidence point of view. No, I think more clinical strikers will be putting that ball away, will be putting in the back of the net. And I'm not just talking about the Luton game. I'm talking about from the start of the season. Rashford has missed sitters. Hyland has missed sitters. Garnacho has missed... Anthony is shooting into Rose Ed. I don't know what every, he's at. Every time. Yeah. I think he had one good chance I can think of all season. It's just, it's frustrating. It is. It is frustrating. But even the best strikers in the world still need chances. I mean, by the, the definitions that we're saying now, can we agree before I say this that there was one clear-cut chance for each of those players in that game? At least. Is Erling Haaland the best striker in the world? Haaland had four chances when he played against Chelsea and scored two. Depends who you're asking. Do you know what I mean? It, it, are those four chances? Yeah, well... Ask Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he sort of said that Haaland doesn't. Good, yeah. old, good old Jose. Yeah, well, he just goes against the tide, like, doesn't he? Just, <laughs> to be, just to be awkward. A game that was four each, right? The chances mm-hmm. that they created for each other as teammates, they still created four chances for Angler Haaland. Three of those were defined as fought more by three clear-cut chances. Haaland put three of those away. But if Haaland misses one, he knows he's getting another one. For Rashford and Garnacho, the entire occasion is huge because when the chance comes, they're like, finally, oh my God, this is my moment. It's taken 62 minutes and the adrenaline builds and everything goes and they fucking do nothing with it. And you're looking going, do you know what, lad? I feel for you because you're not getting another one of those a game. With what we're creating at the minute, we create four chances a game, not four chances a player. That's your one moment, <laughs> and you fucked it. But I think it comes back to the old argument the three of us have, and I think it's the midfield and the back line and the cohesion of the whole team that creates the chances for the strikers. It's far yeah. too bloody slow. It's, it's far too, too slow. slow. That build up from the back is far too slow. It's all slow. It is, and it's where I get a bit of a lot of I turn around and they say things like Erickson Hag is manager and, you know, these different occasions. Negative things. Yes, very, very negative <laughs> things. But I just think the overall play should be much better. 
and I'm hoping you are right. I'm hoping that Luke Shaw and Martinez the reason that the play is so slow and slow, so deep. But I can tell you this now: he has five games in my mind, and if in five games with Luke Shaw back, I can't see that improve. Then I give up. I, I don't have anything else that I can. It won't even be a discussion for me. I anymore. think it I'll will. Want him gone. I think it definitely I think will improve. And improve the team. I'm hoping myself. I don't know if about you too, but I'm hoping with Erickson out injured that gives the the young star boy a chance in the middle. Oh, Mason Mount has to start. Mason has Mount. to start. Field he ne- do you not think he needs a run of games, Kieran? Do. Yeah. do you not think he's stopping and starting, you know, yeah. and he's starting and he's taking him off and then he's, you know, bringing him on as sub. And so I hope that I I agree with you. I hope he gets a run in the team. Yeah. I think it, it's it's one of those occasions where you, you look at it. One of those instances when Mason Mount and you're like, if you were playing average and the team was playing well, we would forgive you. But when you come in and you cost money that you did and you take the shirt that you did and Manchester United is a collective repaying shift, then the microscope is on you. Yep. And that is at any football club that's going to happen. Yeah. Especially at this club. Especially at this club. We're, playing, we're not playing well. Any bad slip-up or performance is going to be under the microscope. Mm-hmm. Yep. Especially for New Zealand. And I, don't, I, know, I understand why we all expect that from our team, but it is slightly, I think, OTT, like some overreaction or negative, get everybody out fans all over they're out there like you know yeah. it is I'm a darn merchant um, for overreacting to things yeah. I think I'm completely reactionless so, especially after games sometimes you're justified angry and sometimes you're <laughs> too far. you're just arguing for the yeah, sake of it you know, do you know what post match I actually when I'm listening to the podcast because I am a being bastard and I listen to myself yeah I noticed that see in these like podcasts where we're talking tonight there's no game I'm fine and then I'm like an emotional wreck when I watch Manchester United stroke the ball about the pitch doing fuck all with it for 90 minutes and scoring one goal against Luton. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it's very hard not to overreact and blow your top then where you're like, will you just play football? Entertaining football. Just, yeah. It's going to be strange to see Luke Shaw back after being out for so long. Like, we haven't really seen him this season. No. But a few games started the season and then that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, we didn't really see him. Back in the time was he out the same time as Martin is? Before, I think, wasn't he? Was he? I think he was out before. No, Martin has played this season. I can't remember Sean playing. Yeah. Martin has played for two or three games at the start of the year. He definitely played the Wolves game because I remember he played the Wolves game and I thought, God, that's your poorest game in the year. He's sure. You look at plays. But again, they said that he was... Carrying yeah, he was took a knock in pre-season. Yeah. We'll lead on then. Something that I have tagged up I think I've tagged that because I was reading some positive news today that it is going to be Blanc. Blanc is the CEO now of Manchester United. They're not just going for one person under Blanc. They want a network of people. Paolo Maldini is being touted, Dougie Friedman from Crystal Palace and Paul and Mitchell coming in. I'm not going to get too hung up in the names and where it goes, but the main thing I want to say is I think that's really positive. Football network. Footballing network, not just football orientated instead of money. Yeah, not just commercial. Use one person in their vision, yeah. but a collective vision of people who have seen different parts of the game and different, you know, areas, different countries, and could all have conversations to see the betterment of Manchester. I think that's really positive. Mm-hmm. But one thing myself and Mum talk about all the time is, I think some fans think that these boys are going to come in and we're going to start picking the best talent in the world and everything's going to click in South America and stuff like that. United cannot do that because our first team needs a hell of a lot of work. So it's about being totally consistent and extremely frugal in the transfer market 
from January on. Being smarter in the transfer market. Yeah. Do you think we have money to spend in January? No. Do you think it's loan deals? I think it's going to be quiet. I think it depends. Now, there's mutterings about Casemiro and Varane. Yeah. And mutterings about Saudi Arabia. So if those How do you feel about that? Casemiro and Varane. Yeah. If... Let them go if they have somebody lined up to come in. Casemiro? Casemiro is not the player this season that he was last season. Whatever the problem is, whether it's niggly injuries, whether it's his wife doesn't like the rain in Manchester, who knows? In the context of Manchester United's midfield, right? You, at the minute, you have Johnny Van de Beek, Christian Eriksen, Scott McTominay, Mason Mount, Sophie and Amrabat, all competing for starting positions. Is any one player there, based currently, better than Casemiro? No. no. So we're going to sell our best midfielder in January. But this is the way I look at it, right? You're not going to get big money for any of those players. You're no. not going to get big money for um, Donny van der Beek. You're not going to get big money, well, you might for Scott McTominay, you know, if Newcastle won. Anyway, the, the point yeah. is, you are going to get money for Varane and Casemiro. And that Tommy. there's your kitty to bring people in that you want in the team. And Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho, I forgot all about him. I don't think they'll get money for Jaden Sancho. 50 million, you bet. Juventus will not pay 50 million for Jaden Sancho. Is it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was a loan deal. Juventus. They're interested, they're very interested. I think there's talks and stuff going on. Juventus are like the constant, I don't know. But that's the price. They're like that one friend in your friend group that has a Bormets fan instead of a birthday party. They're the ultimate that side of the fence. They live off free loan deals and Bosmans and all the rest. I don't see them spending £50 million on Jadon Sancho unless they're trying to prove a point in around the scandal they went through with Pavel Neved and that leaving um, over their money hiding under and they're trying to admit that there's nothing wrong and we're still spending £50 million on Jadon Sancho. A bit like City do. If that was the case, I could see it. But that's a lot of money for Juventus on any player. And to spend it on a player there's serious doubts over. Yeah, well that's that's the only the constant team that I've been seeing. Um, on their day, but I, I tell you a brilliant example of this here, Kieran, and the media and how they all lead us, right? Antoine Griezmann was a United player there for two days. Then Armando came out and said, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know where this came from. Oh, but yeah. I read that he was a United player. Oh yeah, yeah, I, too, yeah. I even 100%. seen the specifics yeah. from some people and the finances of the deal and went, oh. God, if it's that detailed, it must be true. And then it was described the 12 hours later and I thought, right. Yeah. Do you know what? You're the one that constantly but we're all sucked in the media. But we all sucked in and spat out. I sucked in and sort of the picture and I think I drew up a picture of what my FIFA team could look like with Griezmann up front. It sucks in, but it rises the debate and the, you know, the, where's it going to fit in and is this going to happen? And then Berbatov came out and had his say about it. Yeah. In other words, you know, how are you going to fit Griezmann and Hyland in the same team? In the same team. Unless you play 4 4 2. You don't. You don't. What you do is you play Antoine Griezmann and you drop Rasmus Hoibland on the bench. And you do to Rasmus Hoibland what should have happened from the start of his Manchester United career. You play him in the games that Rasmus Hoibland will excel in. Because I don't think, I love Rasmus Hoibland as a player. I think he's a fantastic talent. I think he's he's going to be Manchester United too soon. And Manchester United, for me, as a terminology, is when you take a player who has no right to start in the team, you pin the expectations of the world on him, and you fucking cripple him before he even gets a chance to get going. He's a 20-year-old striker who played for one season in Serie A, and now he leads the line for United. No. 
if it's not Griezmann, which I don't think it's going to be, it's please not. go and get the lad somebody that can shoulder the weight of scoring the goals that keeps us in the top four and gets us through whatever tournaments we're in. Because it should not be pinned on that way. It's not fair. Oh. And now that he's not scoring goals, he's facing criticism that he shouldn't be facing. Again, it's not fair. But the rest of them aren't scoring goals. No. They're not. They're not helping The established that. players. The established players should be helping. So-called. Yeah, I do believe that, that you know, we should be building chemistry with this boy and he should be playing with the lads he's going to play against. And that's fine. But, I mean, you know, it's tough run this. See this run coming up. I play the way against Everton, and then I would have the more experienced striker play against Galatasaray, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Newcastle. Tony's still there. Ivan. Tony Marshall. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> no, you can't say this because you're a massive Anthony Marshall fan. <laughs> I have had to live with the fandom of Anthony right, Marshall. Right, I just for... rated well. I don't rate his injuries now, but you know he's just he has to be sold. He's another one. January apparently. January yeah. Him and Sancho, and there was talk of Anthony as well already. I can't see that. But I can't see him. Definitely not. From last season and for 10 Who would hours. buy him? Saudi. Saudi are linked with everybody. Saudi would buy everybody. Here, you want this guy? Just go for a year. I don't see Casemiro leaving in January. I do, from the simple point of view that he's mm-hmm. our best midfielder. Mm-hmm. It's as clear cut as that. I don't see him in that go. I think they let him go if the right price, right money comes in from Kieran. But Saudi Arabia are mad. Turn around to Saudi and you said, you know what, lads? We'll sell them to you in the summer. They'll wait till the summer. You turn around and agree a deal in principle right now. We're keeping Casemiro. And all the back channeling goes on. And you turn around and say, yeah, we'll let you have them in the summer. Not in January. But their league, well, when does their league start and end? It's not the same as the Premier League. I'm not too sure, actually, myself. No, there was no talk over this. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp was the first manager to put fears into other fans over this. Their season ends sooner than ours. Their transfer market opens when our season's still going. But no, because why I'm asking is there was some vote by the Premier League and it was 13... Anyway, long story short, that the team... the What they wanted, the lesser teams wanted was that the like of Newcastle can't have Ruben Neves on loan. You know, they're trying to, um, yeah. you know, this deal the same, between, the, the, between the clubs, between the, clubs. the same owners and stuff like that. Now, that was kicked out. You can do that. So their league must end if he's coming in and loaned to Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. I, you, just, you never know. I just I don't see Casemiro. If you're asking me who I realistically think is going to go in January, I don't think Rafael Varane goes either. Uh, I hope he doesn't go. I think Eligian Sancho, Donny van de Beek, and Marshall. Marshall. I think they're the three that'll leave in January. I can see Cass and Raphael Varane leaving in the summer. In the summer. When we can use the investment money and we can use the funds to try and you know I think Sean Claire Table replaces Raphael Varane. I'm stating that now as far back as the well, I think Raphael Varane goes to Saudi and Tadebo comes in from Nice. I think it's Neil Long, especially the team he plays for. Yeah. With, 110. with Jim there, I think he's like right. I got I got Jim sorted here. Yep. Um, I think Casemiro's harder because yeah. when you replace when Casemiro goes you have to replace Casemiro I wouldn't based on what I'm saying at the minute I wouldn't be saying in Sofian Amrabat not what, not what I'm saying no definitely not no, I agree so then and I wouldn't be keeping Scott McTominay and I wouldn't be keeping Christian Eriksen well I, I, I back Scott not as a starting 11 player. No, a squad player. Squad player. 
he'd be good for squad depth. But if they get any sort of decent money for him, he'll be out the door. Yeah. But hey, is Scott destined to become Tin Hag's Fellaini? Yeah. And do we need that? Yeah. Every team needs a Fellaini. Yeah. Fellaini was, in my opinion, very (laughs) underrated. Well, look, you can't wipe four midfielders out of any team. Donny van de Beek is also going to go. But Donny van de Beek hasn't kicked a ball in... No, no. Campbell Emery is there, Kobe Mayne yeah. is to break through, you know... Ahmed to come back. Palestri is lighting it up for Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. Work course. But what I'm saying is, if we do it as early as January, you've got a massive job in your hands to try and place them. It's not the market at the minute to go out and try and find... Like, Tadebo is not going to come from Nice. No, I don't. Because Nice are up at the top of the French League for the first time ever. That's not going to happen. So, Varane can't go in my mind. Casemiro and trying to replace him in January is suicide. Yeah. It is. With Sophie and Amrabat not playing to the standard you wanted to play at, that's suicide. Because yeah. Casemiro could have a huge impact if the team start playing well in the back half of the season. So, I think funds-wise... And I'm not discrediting you, Juventus theory. If Juventus pay 50 million for Sancho, fair play. Bonds wise, I don't think there's going to be the money there in January. I don't think so. I think Juventus will hold us over a barrel and yeah. try and get Sancho on loan with us paying some of the wages. The other thing to consider is would they give him a war chest if they're 50 50 on him? Eric Ten Hag, I mean. Hmm. Do you give a manager the funds for new players right. if you are not certain he's going to be there? For the start of the next season. True. Yes, There's right. two scenarios in that. There's your new your new team is coming in, your Maldini, whoever it is, will not get bogged down in names. Your new team comes in under the Jim Rockcliffe influence and they sit down and they back Eric and Hag and they say, Eric, you're the man. You're the man and we're giving you funds as early as January. And we start to see wholesale changes, which many United fans will welcome. And there's a bit of a buzz in around that. That in my eyes is a huge gamble. Because you're taking funds and giving them to somebody who there's doubts over it. I think the more pragmatic approach from the board would be to turn around and say, Eric, we can sell the buy in January. If funds do come in for a player, we will back you and give you funds to replace that player. If Donny goes, feel free to pick somebody to replace Donny. If Casemiro goes, we will try and find somebody to replace Cas. If Sancho goes, we'll try and find you another winger. Although I do think with Diallo back, we're a bit overstocked. Yeah, there. we are. Yeah, Diallo plays three, Garnacho, Rashford, yeah. I think we're all right. Yeah. So they turn around and say, there's enough to be getting on with. It's been a rough year. The goal is top four. You've to the end of the year. Or do they give it as if, if they do sell Sancho for a decent sum, do they say, right here, take this money and get a striker to back up Rasmus? I think that has to happen. That's the one saying Kieran I think has to happen. I agree with Irregardless you. of what is happening at the football club, whether they believe in him or not, they have to go and source another striker to come in and play at that football club. A goal scorer. And you know what? We're sitting saying this about Ten Hag's picking his targets, but I think the most well-run football clubs in the world would not be looking at who suits Ten Hag's system. They would be looking at God-given talent and players for the future that any manager would love to work with. And they're the players that they will try and... If they're available in January, they will try and sign them. What about the loan deals? Well, who's going to be available in loan? Do you know what I mean? You don't know, do you? Come yeah, January. This was, that's what I'm saying. Mm. If the Saudi league ends and they're talking about loaning in Ruben Neves, one of the Saudi teams, just for six months it's or totally four possible, or whatever. But who pays the wages there? What if the Saudi teams turn around and say, right, that's grand, you can have our player, you're paying the wages. They're on half a million a week. You're going to burn through, what would that be? Sure, they'll have that much cash then. Eight, nine million. 
You'd be hoping to, but you know what I mean. It's a they're on huge ways. Depending on what their stance is. We utilised the loan system last January. I really liked Marcel Sabitzer. I liked him when he came in. Yeah, I don't think he was good enough to start for United, but he was a decent squad player. He was a cast off in Bayern Munich. He, he covered, covered the cracks. Yeah. yeah. And back, back, it was an extra body when yeah. we needed him. Was there nobody who went half and half? But you look at our loan players, right? We end up paying half their wages. Oh, yeah. There was talk, now this before Juventus were talk buying Sancho, that loaning Sancho, but we were paying three quarters yeah. of his wages. I've seen that too. Because they're astronomical, of course. No, because not the truth. Yeah. But, you know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It really, really will. Um, from the point that nobody knows whether Manchester United have money to invest. Nobody knows if the new structure backs Eric and Hag. It's so up in the air. It's in limbo at the minute. It's yeah. fun to sit and guess, but fuck knows what happens. Know. I think it comes back to really what you're saying earlier. Like this run of games. Yeah. Between it's now, huge, Kieran. It's huge, see, between now and January, 1st of January. Yeah, it's you massive. Know, it's If we get a few few different players back, if we start playing with confidence, get a few convincing wins. Score early goals. Yes, if we can do that, then we yeah. start doing the things right. What we should be doing, we should have been doing all year. And let's let's not just focus on the, the I know I like to focus on the negative. Sometimes and I say this could define his, his um, tenure as Manchester United manager. You take it if you beat some of the teams that I have been talking about there. Yeah. These aren't just winning games. These are knocking points off your contenders for top four. And in my opinion, the goal this season, Premier League wise, is top four. Now you beat a Chelsea, you beat a Liverpool, you knock a Newcastle, all of a sudden you're putting denters and marks on people who compete for you in the second half and you're doing it. Out of form. So what do you do? What but then you? all of a sudden your confidence level has hit another notch. It's gone yeah. up a notch. So all of a sudden you start to look like a team that is worthy of investing in. And you come to January. And he gets to that point. Ericton Hag has the potential, if he's brave enough to play a style of play, they will allow him to. To talk himself into the job for the next couple of years. If you get all us doubters like me behind him. And believing in him and wanting Jim to open up the war chest as early as January. Start knocking lads off and yeah. start investing in players that he wants. Instead of getting him on Rabat, get him Gravenberg. He wanted Gravenberg. He ended up not on Rabat. He wanted Pavard. He ended up with nobody. Well, you know, I think it's one of the things I, point, I pointed out myself. I think you pointed out Jackie as well. We're not getting the players that he wants. That he wants. The yeah. first top tier world class that he wanted. Yeah. He's not been given them. And this is the Man City argument, isn't it? When has Pep ever not got what he wanted? Never. Doesn't happen. 115 yards don't buy. No, 110%. Here I bought Cancelo. Cancelo was good for the season and he's shite now, so I'm selling Cancelo. No ball, Pep. And I want to buy Guardiola at 90 million. Grand. Well, who else do you want? What about the financial charges? Fuck them. What financial charges? Yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't exist. Big brown envelope to the English FA. That's exactly it, yeah. Watch or VAR officials in the box. So that'll lead us in then to this Saturday. Right, let's get it going. Dun, dun, this dun. Saturday is nothing. <laughs> it's Wednesday night. Uh, United versus Everton. Get the beers in early. <laughs> Little segment we like to do is picking the first team. Everybody's goalkeeper for this weekend. Kieran. Oh no no. Oh no no. I think by Ender plays because Onana's hurt. He's not, apparently. Definitely not. Apparently not, no. Not as he, bad as he I thought apparently it Apparently he's going to have a late fitness test, but Onana says he's all right. So, I'm going by Ender. Left back. I'm going to go Shaw. Left back. 
I'm going to go Shaw as well. Diogo Dalo. And I'm not picking who I want to play. I'm picking who I think is going to play. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try and apply well, that logic. Well, if we're doing that, don't I take, take my answer back. <laughs> <laughs> right back. What was that? Yeah, Aaron Mombe. Centre back, Perns. Maguire. And. Lindelof. Yeah, I'll go with that as well. I think it's Maguire and Lindelof. I think it is. Yeah, I really want to say Ram, but I think it's Maguire and Lindelof. I want to, but yep. I think I'm feeling what he's going to do. And that, that back four has, has played together. Yeah, a lot. Maguire, Lindelof, Juan Zaga, Shaw. Yeah. We're going to go with three in midfield, right? Three midfielders, go for it, Ken. I'm going to go, well, I'm going for who I think he's going to play or who I want to see. No, don't do the who you want to see. Let's go for who we think, think he's going to play. Right. That's more entertaining. Well, I think Bruno, Bruno's a shoe Bruno has to, I think, is always guaranteed there. So, you're, so you're picking two. So, yeah. So I think, well, if Eriksson's injured, I think he will pick, well, he's going to pick Scott McConaughey because he trusts him. I think he's scored again in international duty for Scotland, I think. And then I think he's going to go for Mason Mount. Right, I agree, but um, instead of Mount, I don't think he'll start him. Mm. I think he'll start with Amrabat. Oh, fit. More defensively minded, maybe. Yeah. But it's Everton. I like, I like to see him go for it, but what do you mm. think, Brian? I think he goes with McTominay, Mount and Bruno. McTominay and Mount together and Bruno further off. i tell you why he goes with McTominay and Mount. Because Mount could do what Christian Eriksen does in terms of being a deep line playmaker. Only I would say Mount has more of a defensive mindset about him. So I think you could see Mount play as the deeper one, Scott McTominay pushing forward. I don't think... He will draw Sophie and Amrabat because Amrabat played for Morocco, didn't he, during the week? That game was postponed, was it not, for some reason? No, I'm still going to stick with that. I think he goes with those three. It's not who I'd want to see. I'd want to see him be really, really brave and play Amrabat and Mount and Bruno. I'm Boston to see that, and I'm Boston yeah. to see that get a run of games. But we know what he's like. like. I don't. Th- if we're picking, if I'm logically going to try and put myself into Hag's shoes, yeah. I think it's very pragmatic. I think he's 6 for one he knows. I think I'm down to see Kobe Mayne. I think he, if you watch him for the... I reckon right, he'll be on the bench. Playing for England, already bossed. Yeah. He bossed that. He wore the armband for the. Under- and you get an assist. You get two assists. Again, round the show. He wore the armband. Nice. He's a lot I think uh, a more attack-minded coach. Like you look at Barcelona. I know it's a, an extreme <clears> example, but in Barcelona, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Pedro and Gavi burst into the team. I'd like to see Kobe Mayne get a chance. I don't think that age is a hindrance. No. I think if you're good enough, you're old enough. And the lad is showing things in younger games, and what does he have to do to get a chance? Do I think Everton's the right opportunity? Probably not, even the international break. But I'm really hoping that I see that boy get a starting berth soon. Yeah, I watched, I watched him generally going by now from the, t- the games I've seen him play for the younger sides and the pre- pre-season games. He looked very, very good alongside. Very assured. Very confident. Yeah. He just reminded me of a Pogba. I think. Yes. He, he would, moved, yeah. Does he I agree. Move, do he move? They pass it and t- get in their tight spaces. He just seems. He's a very whole, graceful player, but he protects the ball up. very well. Yeah, he does. I think he's. He's, real, he's right. excellent at From that. I'm I think he's the real. I think they need it. And when you say Pogba, you activate some United fans, and rightfully so, because Paul Pogba was. Spiders. He was what he was, but when you're talking about talent, you're talking about midfield and talent, and you're talking about a player who was absolutely incredible at running the midfield. Can't take it away from the boy. When he was on it, he was on it. Yeah. 
know, he just didn't work out for United. But anyway, our front threes. Good word. Uh, well, I'm going to go, I think, uh, given Rasmus is recovered in time, I think he is, I will go with Rasmus Hoyland, and then I'm going to go for a pedestrian, and go for Rashford. Okay. I think he'll start Anthony over Pelestri. Yeah, and he'll start Rashford and Bayern yeah. and Beast. If Shaw plays in the left back, I want to see Rashford yeah. with Shaw. It's going to be Anthony, Rashford and Marshall. Well, I hope not. It's going away, but it's going to happen. Why do you hope not? Because I don't, I don't trust Marshall as far as I can throw him. Marshall is a good player. He was 10 years ago. Right, we're talking about the entire football team <laughs> being devoid of goals. And you want to pick a striker who's fucking allergic Anthony to score. Mar- Marshall will score against Everton. That's nailed on, guaranteed. You said starts. this three or four times and he's done fuck all. Well, third time lucky and all that. Maybe something in that. It's the only other striker we have. He is the only other striker we have. Well, then there you go. Do you think that it doesn't pain me to say that man's name when it comes to starting? Fucking yoke of a lot. He's not. <laughs> anyway, score prediction, Kieran. Uh, I'm gonna. Too positive here, but I'm gonna go for two one United. Three one. And this is being audio one each. Ever not gonna come out to what I said. Ever not gonna come out with that far. And I think Manchester United, when there's fire and Goodison Park is rocking, like we talked about Galatasaray, it's not a situation we want to find ourselves in. I don't think we'll lose it. I think we'll show more of ourselves this week. Yeah. But I think it's going to be one more. The only thing I can say, I know we're playing another point we haven't covered yet, but as bad as we are, who's the most informed team in the Premier League? We are. In the last five games. Luton, Sheffield, Fulham. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You still have to get the points on the board. Yeah. Look what Luton did to Liverpool. Uh-huh. By definition, the games that we talked about, the run we could go on, we could end up in the bottom ten. Or we could end up in top or four. We could. Let's be positive. That's kind of like a statistical statement that you use to prop up it's, the fact we're shit. It's, it's the, fact. It's a true we statement. are. It is, but do you truly believe it? Yes. The United are the most informed team in the Premier League. It's statistically proven. Do you think it's a measurement for how Manchester United will do in the next run of games? We're not talking about measurements no. here. But we're talking you, about facts. Does it give you confidence that that can push us on in the next... Look, I am high on hopium at the minute. All right? I just want to see the team doing well. Right, Ten Hag doing well and Anthony Marshall scoring a hat-trick at Goodison Park. Shutting us up. Yeah, shutting us up is right. Look, we're almost at the end here. Score predictions for the weekend. Kieran, what do you think the score is going to be against Everton? So I think the score is going to be a victory of 2-1. 2-1? Yes. Who do you think your hero is? So Highland's going to be the man, score the goal. I think, and Dallas always going to be the zero. Oh, Dallas was his, Yeah, do you know what? I'm not far behind you there. Mom, score prediction. 3 1 United. 3 1? 3 1. You're not still sticking to this Marshall hat trick shade, surely? Well. <laughs> Third time lucky. Third time lucky. Right, well, who's your zero? Uh, zero. Yeah. If Anthony's on, definitely Anthony. Okay, hero, I think I'm going to go for. I'm stealing a bit of the banter that you and I had, Kieran. Mm. I think Harry Maguire is going to be the hero. I think he suits yeah. Dalton Calvert Lewin. I think if Calvert Lewin starts, he's going to definitely dominate him in the air. Yeah. My zero, I'm going with you. I think Diogo Dallo, because I feel like Dallo is going to play left back and Shaw is going to play left centre back. And yeah, I just don't see that happening. Look, guys, this is going to be family therapy moving forward. You're going somewhere special this weekend. 
Yep, heading to Edinburgh with the wife for the Christmas markets. Yeah, so, you are. And I'm sneaking in a wee football game on Saturday at Southlake Park, so it a good chance to let loose and get Amazing. a few beers, get the beers in, you know. So. Yeah, for me, make sure you do some scouting for us too. Some of them players up there, I think, have the potential to move into the Premier League. Kyogo definitely has the it. Japanese lads. Yeah, 110%. And you're going to your first football game? I am. You are so we'll excited. We'll with this in the weeks to come. <laughs> my mum is finally going to make the trip over to Old Trafford. One off the bucket list. Boom. Folks, this has been the Irish Voice Podcast. This is going to be family therapy moving forward. I think Kieran's moved in as a family friend. He's going to be a permanent fixture moving forwards as often as we yeah, can. We've adopted him. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back for the Everton game. Love you. Bye, everyone. Bye.